Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and we share practical ideas for action and tools to try out that we just hope will help you to navigate your squiggly career with that little bit more confidence, clarity and control. And today we're going to be talking about how you can help people to squiggle and stay. So squiggly in the title, very on brand. (laughs) And is also part of our most recent article for Harvard Business Review, which is super, super exciting. Getting our work into Harvard Business Review really matters to us because I think it's something that we have read for a long time and we really respect and it helps us to reach more people with squiggly. And also this idea of squiggling and staying is such an important point for people's progression and we'll come on to talk about that much more. So as an episode, this thing around how you can help people to squiggle and stay is really designed to help managers, leaders and sponsors support the changes that we need in organisations to help people develop in different directions. But don't worry if you think, oh, no, but I'm not a manager or a leader or a sponsor. That doesn't matter because there's loads of ideas in the episode that you could maybe talk some of those people about or talk about them within your team. But we do recognise that those people do have some of the biggest influence to make some of these changes happen. And that's why we sort of really directed it towards them to really spark the change. And also, we want to just point out, we have not got all the answers here, okay? We've not got all the answers. I know, can you imagine? Spoiler alert. We have every answer to solve the issues (laughs) that organisations are facing. No, we don't. It's an area we're actively working on. It's something that we are really, really passionate about. We think it's a big part that Squiggly can play in helping people to develop. But if you have ideas that are sparked by this episode if there are some great insights based on what is already going on in your organization or if you've got any feedback on what we share please do get in touch because we really want to learn like with you and from you so that we can make these changes happen and ultimately it supports our mission of making careers better for everybody so email us if you've got thoughts it is just helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com so why are we focusing on this right now Well, we've recognised that there does feel like there's a bit of a perfect storm around people and progression at the moment. And it's not new news that given the last couple of years, most people have reflected on and in some ways reconsidered the role of work in their lives. So about 65% of people apparently at the moment are maybe rethinking or reconsidering in some way the work that they do. 
And we know that progression has always been a really important motivating factor for people. We all want to feel like we're growing and we've got really positive momentum in our careers. So when we are thinking about how to progress and where to progress, only around a third of people are open to looking internally to sort of find or form that solution. So essentially, we are much more likely to look outside our current organisations than we are to look in our organisations when we're thinking about how we progress On top of that, as we did describe, it was a perfect storm, as promised. People are also leaving faster and it takes longer to replace those people. So sort of the worst case scenario, I guess, for organisations in that when people are making that decision to maybe do something different or want to develop in a different direction, they're maybe not waiting it out as long as we might have done previously perhaps because we have had so much change and uncertainty, there's been a sort of spike in that over the past couple of years, it almost encourages us to get a bit more comfortable with that. So maybe we're more likely to sort of take those leaps. And then maybe it takes longer to replace someone because everyone is kind of moving and doing lots of different things. And it always takes quite a long time, I think, to get a new person and people have to work out notices and all those kind of things. So the pace of turnover is increasing and it takes around 18% longer to fill roles than pre-pandemic, which I think is quite a significant increase. It's quite scary, I think, for organisations. I think those statistics we have collated from a a few different sources and all the sources in the HBR article, so you'll be able to find them there if you do kind of want to evidence this internally. But I think it's the combination of those stats that make that so significant. I don't think we've ever been in this situation before where so many people are looking to leave, where most of that leaving is, you know, looking at that being external and that it's taking so much longer to find people to replace it. Like, I, I think it's a really, really big risk for organisations, which from our perspective, I guess the opportunity is organisations can't, they can't risk not thinking about how they retain and develop people because the organisations that do this well can hopefully buck the trend, but the organisations that ignore it are going to, you know, they're going to lose their best people. They're going to lose lots of the people listening to this podcast. And that's, that is not what we want. And Also, when I think we're thinking about, well, why are people looking to leave first? Why is that something? A lot of what the research says is that people find it easier. And I, you know, have been in this situation. I've definitely found it easier at times when progression was a priority for me to leave an organisation to get where I wanted to go. And there's another HBR article, which we'll link to, which really unpicks the reasons why people find it easier to leave rather than to look internally for those opportunities for progression and they summarize it as first of all awareness so a lot of people find it hard to see what is available to them in the company like maybe it's not advertised on the intranet for example like it's hard to know outside of maybe your immediate department what else there is the second is access like it just feels like a hurdle too far for people to go through you know they've got to have certain things in performance rating there's a lot of process there's sort of points in time in the year and progression isn't like that like you know if you want to progress it's a, a need you have now not necessarily something you've got to wait for until you've ticked every box and the right month in the year comes around And the third thing is around support. So a lot of people find leaving easier because the support they've got within their current company isn't enabling them to develop in the direction they want to. And that can be because 
some managers can be a bit territorial about talent. So they're like, well, you know, I want this team to do really well and you're a big part of that team doing well. So it's important for me that, you know, you stay within this team. And so it can be within best intent, but for that individual who wants to develop in a different direction, it can feel quite restrictive for them. And then also they might not feel that their manager is encouraging them to do something different. So they might want to do a sideways move, but because their manager has maybe never done that, they might not either be able to support them confidently because they're not sure how to do it, or they might not be getting the positive support. So they might be getting a bit of judgment, like, oh, that's too hard a move for you to make or something like that. And it's these awareness, access and support factors that are making people just go, do you know what? It's easier to look somewhere else and leave. I think one of the really big motivators for organisations to do this really well, of course, to keep people and and you, you want to do that, but also it really helps to frame progression as much more than promotion. So we've talked before about letting go of the ladder and some of these squiggly swaps that we are trying to encourage within organisations in terms of the words that we use, the conversations that we have and just, you know, the framing around careers. And I think when we think about squiggle and stay, and when we talk about some of the examples shortly, where organisations do this really well, I think it just opens up everybody's eyes to, oh, progression is just so much more than promotion. Of course, it can bring promotion, but there are 15, 16, 17 other ways that I can also progress and grow in my careers. I do feel like when this is done well, everybody wins. You know, you win as an individual if you get to squiggle and stay and your organisation and your managers and leaders can win as well. So I think we want to start from this kind of positive point of view that this is good for everyone involved. It's not sort of this is better for one party than another. I think this is it's brilliant for everyone, but it does require quite a few shifts, both in terms of mindset and skill set, I think, to make this happen. So let's move on to that. So what can you do if you are a manager and a leader now and you really recognise what we've been talking about? And also for every manager and leader listening, also you're probably recognising that you also want to progress and develop. So we're all, you know, playing lots of roles all at the same time. So the first squiggle and stay principle, and for each of these, we've got principles and then ideas for action. So this first principle is about focusing career conversations on progression and not promotion. So probably no surprise there based on what I was just talking about. And the reason I always think this is such hopefully a relevant and useful place to start is that I really hope in most organisations, career conversations are already happening. So this is not about doing something new or finding new time or, you know, when you think, oh, that's one more thing I've got to make time for in my week, which always feels hard to do. What I'm encouraged by is I think sometimes this is about making small changes to the focus of these career conversations that can actually have a really big difference in terms of people feeling like they've got the ability to keep progressing and growing and to make that kind of squiggle and stay happen. So the sorts of questions that I think can be good to have as part of these career conversations might be what motivates you most about the work that you do today? What are the talents you want to build a reputation for? What career possibilities would you like to learn more about? What we're really trying to do here, so if you're in a manager or in a leader position having these kind of career conversations, is you're giving people explicit permission to explore progression and possibilities outside of your team or outside of your department. And I think don't underestimate how important that permission can be. We sort of hope that that might not be needed, 
But for a lot of people, they would still be worried about, oh, but if Helen is my manager and I talk to Helen about, and I work in marketing, and I talk to Helen about, oh, but I quite fancy going to work in sales or in corporate responsibility or in procurement, does that mean that then Helen will think I'm not committed to my job today? Is she going to judge me negatively? Is that going to impact my end of year review? You know, we have all these sort of fears of, judgment I think that might come our way and yeah we're trying to also create a bit of safety and security for ourselves in our jobs so these very open conversations are often not our starting point for career conversations so I think managers and leaders have such a good opportunity to sort of unlock some of these areas for discussion rather than feeling like career conversations are more about you know I remember having these conversations like well what's your next step you know almost like straight how are you going to get promoted or like what do I need to do to get promoted? And they are very sort of quite single-minded and the opposite of sort of a curious conversation. I think an organisation as well could create like career conversation menus, which could be mm. shared across managers. Like we've given three questions there, which are I think a really useful place to get started and we'll, and we'll create that space for a squiggly conversation to happen. But there are more than three. And actually I think managers could learn a lot from each other if they sort of co-created that career conversation menu. And that would probably be a really positive way of, you know, sort of focusing on these discussions and recognising that people might be doing things differently and learning from each other in a really open way rather than feeling like I'm doing a bad job and I'm I'm sort of getting it wrong it's like it's just actually this is a this is a question that really unlocks someone's thinking this is a question that took our conversation down a really curious path and then people putting those forward and creating their own little conversation menu because it can feel hard and it's when I think a manager doesn't quite know what question to ask that you you fall back to the ones that feel most familiar which is like you know what role do you want to do next or where do you see yourself in five years time and those sorts of questions are just quite fixing for people and in our workshops actually we've done some of this crowdsourcing where we sometimes ask managers and leaders what are some of the most useful coaching approach questions you've asked in a career conversation and we give people a bit of time to just go away and think about those Everyone comes back and shares them. And there are such good questions there, but they are almost what makes them even better is the fact that you've had five or six groups of five people all doing that same exercise. And then everyone comes back with, you know, of course, some of those have things in common, but there's always a few that are slightly different or that you wouldn't have thought of. So, yeah, don't underestimate the sort of the manager and leadership community that you've got to be able to create those career conversation menus I think that can be also a really helpful starting point where I do think sometimes having a career conversation you'll have been doing very different things in your day you know so you might have just come out of a project meeting or a steering group or whatever it might be probably something quite different to a career conversation and then you're trying to switch your focus into quite a different mode so maybe just having these things as a good shortcut to get you started and then see where the conversation takes you. And a specific idea for action just to build on these career conversations is this idea of creating connections. So managers play a really important part in sort of prompting employees to then go off and have other curious career conversations. So we don't want someone's development to be dependent on one person, i.e. you. We want to encourage people to go off and explore and have lots of informal chats and get a window into other people's worlds. So this is partly about, you know, prompting and giving permission, but also about creating those connections. So making those introductions, because typically managers and leaders, 
will usually have a wider range of relationships across an organisation. So you probably know people that your team don't know, Mm. or you might work with other parts of the organisation that are just unfamiliar. And again, the power of a direct introduction to sort of make something happen. I was reflecting on this even sort of in in our world where, you know, we're not in a big organisation anymore, but I still have people that I've worked for and worked with who make these direct introductions for me, basically as if they were still my boss, which I really, <laughs> appreci- which I really appreciate. But, you know, sort of that sense of, I think it holds you to account a bit to go off and have these conversations. So I'm always very mindful of whenever someone's made an introduction, I will always then try and follow up quite quickly. I look forward to those conversations. I always learn something new. But that's, I suppose, as a manager there, what you've been is a really helpful sort of catalyst for a new connection. And it probably is just the, first of all, recognising that you have those connections and appreciating that they're really helpful. And it's that sort of small task of just writing a quick introduction and saying, oh, Helen, I think it'd be really helpful if you went and had a chat with Tom, who works in this area. Do you know what? I'll just write that two-minute email to connect you together. And then you very much leave it to the individual because you do, you know, you're not trying to spoon-feed people and we want individuals to take ownership and accountability for their own careers, but you're just being really supportive and I think facilitating that process to happen. And because you're sort of actively... I think you're giving people nice nudges, you know, sort of nudge theory. I think this is a, I think making an introduction and asking these kind of questions in career conversations are nice, useful nudges to support people to to squiggle and stay, to sort of get that process underway and help people shift that mindset as well of kind of ladder-like to squiggly career thinking. So I guess the question for people to reflect on is what connections are you creating? Mm. Um, And maybe just spend a bit of time thinking about who, what, when, to see what you might want to improve on. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So our second squiggle and stay principle is about measuring managers on people potential, not 
team performance. Ooh, controversial. Oh, yes, it is quite <laughs> controversial. So I guess the context for this is, it goes back to that talent hoarding thing that I mentioned earlier, which is that most managers and departments, actually, the metrics they're measured on are all about sort of team performance or department performance. And so for a manager to do well, for a team to do well, you need to sort of optimise the people in those roles. And so the idea of, you know, letting your best people go so they can grow their career in a different place or, you know, having somebody who might not be brilliant on day one come and do a secondment in a team or something, that actually is a bit counterintuitive when we're trying to have the best people doing the jobs that they're best at today because that is what drives the highest performance. But it's quite a short-term mentality because the result of that is those people that are the highest performers who are probably most likely to want to progress are being constrained in terms of their career and therefore they are most likely to be looking to leave. So it's a real it's a real false way of working, but you can see how it's happening because the metrics for a lot of managers are designed to want them to keep their best people in the team, not to kind of sort of give them away to help them grow and help the organisation retain people. It's a bit more individually centric rather than the whole organization and the the whole people and pool of talent within the organization so what we think could be approached here and i think this is probably the most contentious one of all the areas (laughs) i like the way you're saying this so what we could should could i don't know where to go with it but we think it would be useful to try this out is developing a new set of metrics which are all around mobility. Yes, there probably will still be some team performance metrics that are important, but we think there could be some new mobility metrics. And these could cover like, you know, the number of career experiments people have had, the development of skills within the team. Like we know organisations, they almost have skill dashboards. And so they're looking to on the skills that the organisation needs the most of, not just the team. They look at you know the strength of those skills within the team. So there's lots of different things that you, you can do. Also, I, another one would be the amount of roles within the team that have been filled internally rather than with external people coming into the team. But three specific ones that we call out in the Harvard Business Review article that we think could go on some kind of mobility metric dashboard would be employee rated quality of career conversations so that's a really important thing for managers to have feedback on the second is the number of completed career experiments and Sarah's going to talk a little bit more about career experiments in a second and the third one will be that one that I mentioned about the percentage of roles within a team or a department that have been filled by internal talent so our squiggle and stay principle three is about making career experiments easy. So one of the things, back to where we started today in terms of what gets in the way, why is this hard, is this point about access. So often developing in different directions within an organisation feels like a really hard thing to do. There's loads of process, performance hurdles, maybe there's not many people who've done that before. So it can feel like a really big deal and quite a big risk. I think it's useful to put yourself in someone's shoes who is developing in a different direction and maybe you've done it maybe you're listening to this and you've done that so you know what this feels like I've done this and I I know what this feels like and you are often leaving behind you know maybe the expertise that you've got the relationships that you build you don't you don't know whether you're going to be good in that team or whether you will find your fit so 
it, it almost does often feel riskier and somehow it often feels riskier kind of within an organisation that it does somehow the feeling like if you go to somewhere new, maybe it feels a bit more like, oh, well, I can start from scratch and I sort of, you know, almost like you've got no baggage. You don't yeah. take anything sort of with you. But I do remember like moving from marketing to corporate responsibility. You know, that was like moving out of marketing. It felt like a really big deal for me. That's where I'd spent lots of my career into this whole new area. And I, I was making that kind of full on leap and it was relatively unusual. There wasn't that many people around me who I could see had sort of you know, parachuted into sort of a new place and a new space. And I think if we can make these career experiments just a bit easier to just have a go at, and also we see lots more examples of people doing them across organisations, it will just free up the kind of flow of people. And I love some of these ideas. And this is probably, obviously, career conversations and the metrics we know will really matter. And I think they are probably most connected to what's already in organisations. But I've been sharing these quite a lot, these experiment ideas quite a bit over the last few weeks. And people are getting really excited about them. I think probably because a bit like me, I go through these and think, oh, I'd like to do that. So see if you, as you listen to this, whether that's how they make you feel. We'd love to know your feedback. And also, as always, we'd love to know any other ideas you've got as well. So three ideas for experiments. The first one is the squiggly career safari. The way that this could work, and you can design this within your organisation, however works best for you, is that employees are given two weeks holiday from their day jobs to go and explore other parts of an organisation. So they just sort of go on a bit of a career safari and you're maybe you're just spending time with a team for two weeks, but you're sort of you're all in and it is sort of an official holiday away from your day to day. And when I first shared this the other week with people, everyone was like, I would have loved this. You know, people were asking me, how many weeks holiday do you think we'd get allocated? Because I think people are so used to this idea of holiday (laughs) anyway. You know, it's like, how many days would I be entitled to? So everyone was getting very on board with this and already starting to amend and adapt the idea. And I think it's because it's quite, you know, it's quite low key. It's relatively easy to do. Hopefully something you could offer to everybody it's quite a universal idea and then the idea of you know someone someone coming to your team for a holiday for two weeks you're like well you'll get a new connection you get to learn from someone in a different part of the organization I think it's it already feels like it has this added benefit of it encourages people to just understand the business that they are part of even better so even if you go into that team for two weeks and then you realize okay well that wouldn't be quite right for me you've probably got some new connections, you've probably learned something new and you'll take that back to the job you were doing before. And it just feels like one of those things that you could make happen, you know, without too much process or it needing to feel too formal. What do you reckon, Helen? Would you like to have a go? Not now, obviously don't leave me. Um, But (laughs) um, in theory, would you, could you imagine doing a squiggly career safari? I would. It does make me think of a few questions, which I can imagine people listening are like, oh, but how would this work? And what would you do about that? I think if you do a squiggly career safari, expecting it to go perfectly for everyone for the first time, it might not do. But the idea that what questions have you got, you know, what worked well, what would help you to transition into that team even more quickly or effectively. I think it's about insight, I think, the first couple of times that you do this so that you can experiment with what might be a small idea today to think how you could scale it much further in the organization yeah and I think that's a really good point just like any other experiment it's okay if you design it in one way and it doesn't quite work so two weeks might not be right it might be one week twice a year it might be 
a day a week for a month and maybe it works better that way in your organization depending on you know the type of industry you're in the type of company structure you've got but I just think this idea of going it's accessible it's easy the expectation isn't really you go to deliver you sort of go to learn you go to understand you go to ask some good questions I would just be fascinated so I'm really I really hope that some of the organizations that we're talking to are going to give this a go I also I'm very enthusiastic about it so I'm hoping my enthusiasm will get people underway (laughs) so the second idea for an experiment and I think probably each of these gets a bit increases in intensity a bit more in terms of commitment the second idea we're calling borrowing brilliance so this is the idea of creating short-term roles where a team can borrow some brilliance from a different part of the business so the idea here might be there's a project and you work out that within your team you don't have sort of the skills or the strengths for part of this project and so you create a short-term role that might be two days a week or a day a week it's sort of that will depend a bit on what that project is. But the point is, what is the brilliance you need to borrow? Is it that you are doing something where you need to create a lot of change quickly? Are you doing something where you need someone who's like incredible at processes? Like, what is the brilliance that you need? And you sort of very transparently advertise the role, but based on that brilliance, going like, we need some help, essentially. We need to borrow some brilliance in ideation, creating change, whatever it might be. This is what we think that commitment will look like. It's one day a week for a month or it's one day a week for three months. And then you just basically you borrow that person. Maybe it's half a day. Maybe it's an hour a week. You just need a brilliant ideator for one meeting every week for three months. Like I would love to do that as an ideator. Someone just said to me, you can come Come into a meeting. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It's the dream. I would just be like, what? So my job is to come and just get to say, I've got another idea, which everyone else gets quite annoyed when I say, but you are telling me you want me to do more of that. Absolutely perfect. And I think what we like so much about this idea is back to that point about everybody wins, because we know that when you use your strengths in different situations, it stretches them and makes them stronger. So that's really good for me. If somebody asks me to be an ideator, but in a very different team, different part of the business, that's that's going to help me to grow and to progress. And I get to share my strength, making it even stronger again. And at the same time, I'm also learning about a different team. I'm getting a window into someone else's world, probably in a more specific way than with the Squiggly Career Safaris. I think the Squiggly Career Safaris, you're just there to almost spend time you know like you go on holiday to like absorb the Mm. culture and wherever it is you're visiting and I think that's just about being spongy I wonder whether those squiggly Chris Faris are more about being spongy where you're borrowing brilliance you've got more of an active role I think you're not just sort of being spongy you're also you're more specifically giving you know you can offer fresh eyes feedback but you've got a role and there's more of an expectation in terms of If somebody says they want me an hour a week for ideating, I don't just turn up and be spongy and just sort of observe and notice and just be part of that conversation. You know, I'm there to contribute actively and to kind of give something. So I think that is more a bit more involved than the first idea, but equally motivating. I would enjoy that. And our third experiment is all about skills marketplaces. And this is the one that you, I think, is the most sort of system-like in its terms of how you would approach it because there are some organisations like eBay, for example, that have skills marketplaces. And the way it works is that projects are advertised internally and then people opt onto those projects based on the skill requirements. So I might say, 
I'm doing a project to launch a new website. I need somebody who's good at writing. I need someone who's good at design. I need somebody who's good at project management, those sorts of things. So you break it down in its, into its component skills and then you sort of advertise the project and people from across an organisation can apply to be part of it based on the skill that they either have got and that they want to demonstrate because it might build their brand or perhaps that they've they've got but they want to develop because they're doing it by you know stretching their strengths with different people in different places and i say that it's more sort of it's more of a system based one because there are some tools that help organizations to do that but i think you could prototype this and do it in a small way before you look to scale it with like an Excel spreadsheet or whatever your organizational equivalent is of an Excel spreadsheet where, you know, you might say, let's profile four projects across the business that, you know, will break those projects down into their the subset of skills that you need and we'll advertise them out. We'll make kind of, you know, this we'll position this as an experiment and we'll see how it works and then people can apply. And then we'll, you know, I think it's both what's the level of interest in from people in applying to be part of it and then I think it is also some reviewing on how effective that project is when people who apply from across the business come together to work on it even though they might not be connected to the context of that project on a day-to-day basis or they might not have worked together before because I think those are the two like interest and effectiveness I think are part of the review criteria for skills marketplaces to really work effectively. What I really like as well about this idea is we know that when people and organisations started to do a lot more work on how do we encourage flexible working, that one of the things that a small experiment that, that organisations tried that had a really big difference was just advertising roles where at the very top of those roles it said open to flexibility, almost like it was as simple as signalling we are open to flexible working. It then meant that people had very different kinds of conversations when they were applying for those jobs and you've got a much wider range of people applying for those jobs and I wonder by almost advertising roles based on skills or strengths you're getting closer to being more transparent and explicit about sort of you're almost saying to people we want people to transfer their talents I sort of feel like you've got to sometimes signal to people going well actually these are the projects where we're really looking for people to do that and We're not only sort of signaling it, we're actually really actively supporting it. Mm. And I would be really fascinated to see whether sometimes whether even just trying out in one department or one team, whether you talked about roles in this way and kind of moves that you could make based on transferring your talents. Yeah, we believe in transferring your talents. We think your mindset is more important than you know, your exact experience or skill set, some sort of words. And um, we're sort of coming up with some ideas as to what those words might be in case organisations want to borrow a bit of brilliance from us. But I think they can make a real difference. Like it can be really simple things that just help people to have the confidence to think, oh, actually, my organisation is really committed to helping me to squiggle and stay. And almost even if it's not for you right now, it doesn't mean that it's not for you forever. And so I think if I saw my organisation doing any of these things, I'd feel really proud to work there, even if I was really happy in what I was doing, because I just think, oh, but I love the idea that I've got that option and I could do that at some point. Well, and I guess then it goes full circle, if you can have circles and squiggles, but I think you can, (laughs) which is that, you know, it's taking at the moment so much longer to fill 
roles in organisations. But if you then have people who are more likely to stay because they can squiggle, develop in different directions and are proud to work in the organisation and therefore they're more likely to promote and advocate it to other people, then you're going to be keeping people, but you're also going to be attracting people at the same time. So it has this sort of double benefit that helps to overcome the challenge that we started this episode out with. So all of these ideas and some more are all in our new Harvard Business Review article. We will link to it in the show notes. We'll be posting about it all over LinkedIn and on uh, Instagram as well. So if you follow us in any of those places, you will definitely find that article. And we would absolutely love it if you could share and support our work. When you take our work into your communities, in your company and outside of it, it helps us to reach more people and educating people about what better could look like in terms of careers and career development is a big part of how we inspire people to make the change and hopefully take squiggly and the skills that we talk about and all the ideas for action that we share on the podcast into those organizations so you are a big big part of how we can make careers better for everyone so please do read it support it share it And we're going to be doing loads more work on Squiggle and Stay. It's not sort of an article and a podcast episode and then we move on to the next thing. We've got lots of things behind the scenes in development and ideas and things that we're really excited about to keep progressing. So if you want to find out more about that, because we're not quite ready to talk about it, basically because we haven't worked it all out just yet, please do email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. Maybe you're an individual who would really like to advocate for more squiggle and staying in your organisation. Maybe you're a manager or leader who really believes in this sort of philosophy and approach and sort of wants to be that sponsor that we've talked about today. Or perhaps you work in HR or people development and you want to make this sort of more cultural change around careers. It doesn't matter what role or what position you're in. We would really love to hear from you. And we really hope over the next sort of year and couple of years, we're going to keep doing lots more work in this area. So you can give us feedback about what you need, any questions you've got. And of course, we will steal with pride any great ideas you've got that we can uh, borrow from you as well. So thank you so much for listening today. We look forward to hearing from you and we're back with you again next week. Bye for now. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 